Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. I got an envelope here. And a lot of times in envelopes, we find invitations. Have you guys ever gotten an invitation before? Maybe it was an invitation to a party, or maybe it was an invitation to, to, to someone's house. Invitations are awesome, as long as you're included, right? If you heard about an invitation to a party that you were not invited to, how would that make you feel? Sad, right? That would make me sad too. Today we're going to learn how God's invitation to heaven is an invitation that includes everyone. It's kind of like getting an invitation and reading, what are we invited to? The best party ever. When is it? It's for all eternity. It's never going to end. And, and where is it? It's with Jesus in heaven. And, and guess who's invited? You are. You're invited. I'm invited. Everyone is invited. There's no one who's not invited. Every single person in the whole wide world is invited to Jesus's party in heaven forever. And that's really, really good news. Today in our sermon, we're going to listen really closely to better understand this invitation to God's kingdom of grace, an invitation that is for everyone because God is gracious. Let, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we know that we are not perfect people. We know that we make mistakes all the time like all the other humans on this earth. We, we thank you for, for not picking some and, and, and not others. We, we, we thank you for inviting every single one of us to your kingdom in heaven. We, we ask that you would be with us every day as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior from sin, the one who has invited us to heaven. In his name we pray. Amen. The portion of God's word that we will focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town. And bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of our God. Please be seated. <clears throat> Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we talked about in our children's devotion, no one likes to be excluded. And if you know that in exclusion is intentional, that of course is going to hurt. But I'm not so sure that intention is the cause of the pain when you're excluded from something. 
Just being left out in general hurts. Whether it's intentional or not intentional, it it always hurts. I remember being somewhat stunned as I I learned about inclusive playgrounds while working on a, a community playground project out west. Maybe you're aware, maybe you're not, but there's this awesome movement happening in the playground industry to make playgrounds more inclusive than they already are. If you don't think about it, a kid who's bound to a wheelchair or maybe a, a child with Down syndrome or some other developmental disability, they might come to a playground like ours or like many of the community parks in the world, and there's really nothing for them to do. They can't play. Without even thinking about it, a, a playground like ours and like a, a vast majority of playgrounds in the world is actually exclusive. It, it unintentionally doesn't include others, but now there's this movement to include everyone. There are things for children in wheelchairs to do. There are are things for anyone of any ability to do, and it's safe, no no matter who you are or or what you're like. And we're not talking about a playground that's just for kids in wheelchairs with disabilities where maybe some other kids wouldn't have fun. No, these are playgrounds that are intended for everyone. Inclusive playgrounds. Inviting for all. We prefer inclusive playgrounds invitations to to exclusive ones. And today we're we're talking about how the kingdom of God has this invitation. The gospel itself is an invitation to the kingdom of God. Jesus often speaks this way here in Luke chapter 14, again in Matthew 22 with a similar parable, but one that is a little different. The gospel is often described as an invitation. And of course, it is the most inclusive of all invitations. You don't have to be prestigious. You don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to have any certain qualifications in order to receive this invitation. Everyone is invited. Everyone in the whole wide world. And yet, as we find in our parable today, some don't come. And of course, we want to know why. The beginning to to, to answering that question starts with the kingdom of God itself. We, We need to realize that the kingdom of God is one kingdom here on earth and in heaven, one kingdom. It's a kingdom of God's grace. That's what makes it an inclusive invitation. The fact that you don't have to be prestigious or wealthy or have this list of achievements or accomplishments to get in, that's how it can be an all-inclusive invitation. The fact that it is a kingdom of of grace. But you see, the, the thing is, If you want to be in God's kingdom forever in heaven, you do have to be in God's kingdom here on this earth. You have to be in it here. You can't deny it here. You can't despise it here and then hope to be in it there. Because again, it's it's one kingdom. It's, It's one and the same. If you're in it here, you'll be in it forever there. If you're not in it here, you won't be in it forever there. And this is really the point of Jesus' parable. It's that we would better understand the kingdom of God, this kingdom of his grace, the invitation that is for all, and and better understand why some don't come. I'm not going to read you all of Luke chapter 14, verses 1 to 15, but I do want to walk you through the, the beginning of the chapter so you better understand where this parable is set. Luke chapter 14 begins as Jesus is at the house of a prominent Pharisee. And in the first four verses, we have this very interesting dialogue between, well, it's not really a dialogue. The Pharisees don't respond. But Jesus asks them questions 
about the Sabbath day. There's a man there who has dropsy or, or edema, abnormal swelling of the body. And Jesus points him out and says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They don't respond. So Jesus heals them and Luke moves on. But I want you to stop and think for a minute as to just how impactful this would have been. Edema is the abnormal swelling of the body. If you see it, you probably don't have to be a medical doctor to identify what it is. It's generally pretty obvious. Some cases can be more severe than others. But if you see someone whose legs look abnormally large, and then all of a sudden Jesus touches them, and right before your eyes, they shrink and return to what would be considered a normal size. That would have been quite stunning. Yes, Jesus is teaching them about the Sabbath. But right before their very eyes, he does a miracle that heals a human in a very visual way. In a way that would not have gone overlooked and that would have been quite shocking. To see the swelling just instantly disappear. Jesus is making it clear, as he does with all of his miracles, that when the Pharisees look at him and see a man... Their eyes do not deceive them. He actually is a man, a real human being, but clearly more than just a real human being as he does something incredible, shocking, stunning, that only God could do. Jesus then identifies that some of the Pharisees are picking seats of prominence. They're they're taking the most important seats at the table. And he talks to them about humility and arrogance about those who exalt themselves on earth will be humbled before God and those who humble themselves on earth will be exalted before God. And then Jesus uses a picture that we're very familiar with. Picture a, a restaurant that you're, at, that you're enjoying with some friends and it comes time for the check to be paid and then this song and dance happens where you argue over who's gonna pay for it and then one couple pays for it and the other one assures that they will pay next time and then generally that's what happens. The, the other couple pays next time. No, you got it last time, my turn. And we just go back and forth. Round and around we go. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't, don't pay for something expecting to be repaid. Don't give to someone that you're confident will repay you. Give your extra material possessions to people that you're confident could never repay you if they tried. Give to people who genuinely need your generosity and never expect anything in return. And to that teaching, someone at the banquet says these words, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Doesn't that sound nice? Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. I I bet you the person who said that had the words of Isaiah 25 on their mind They're thinking of this wonderful banquet that God has promised and they're hearing Jesus teach and they say, this is good. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. And our parable is a reply to that, which tells us something. This person did not understand what they were saying. Jesus, as true God, could read the heart of the person who said this and he knew that they did not understand the kingdom of God. 
They thought the kingdom of God here and the kingdom of God there were different things. They thought that the meal to be enjoyed in heaven was a a later thing. Something that would happen down the road. I can't wait till we get to eat in the kingdom of heaven. And that's why Jesus tells this parable. Listen to the beginning of it again. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Jesus is saying to this man who thinks the kingdom of heaven is a later thing, he's saying, the invitation has already been extended and the table is set and John the Baptist is seating at the table and I'm seated at the table and my disciples are seating at the, seated at the table and the meal is being served right now. And you are making excuses as to all these things you'd rather do here on this earth than eat the bread of life and, and drink his living water. See, the, the Pharisees thought that the kingdom of heaven, the meal that would be served there was something that would happen later, that they could be outside of the kingdom of God here and be inside of the kingdom of God there. In fact, they, they thought they were in the kingdom of God here, but they, they really weren't. Because again, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of grace, not a kingdom of merit. It's not a kingdom that you earn your way into. These Pharisees had it all wrong. They were concerned with details of this life. Summer of 21 has become a summer of weddings even more than normal because a lot of weddings didn't happen last year. Now they're happening this year. Even if the wedding did happen last year, the party's happening this year. And so a lot of people have weddings on their calendars. I have two that are coming up in the next few months. Maybe you do too. We all know how big of a milestone a wedding is. And for good reason, it's a big deal. A man and a woman who are in no way related by blood are going to become the most closest relatives that either one of them have ever had. It's a beautiful thing, a big thing to look forward to. Can it become consuming? Yes. Could it become so distracting that it keeps us outside of the kingdom of God? It can. If you've ever lived the farm life, Maybe you can understand what it would be like to go check out a new field or to go, go investigate and put the, the new tractor through its paces. But of course, it's not just the, the yoke of oxen and the, the fields. There's all sorts of things in this world that can grab our attention and make us think that there's more important things here, that if we actually went into the kingdom of God on this earth, that we would actually be losing things. We, we would be sacrificing things of great value. We would be wasting our good fortune. It's just not true. In the kingdom of God, the the creator of the universe sits at his table and says, here, eat from my table. Let me provide you with everything you need for body and life, for for soul, for eternity. Let me provide you with everything. Eat, Eat my bread. Drink from my cup of grace. Let me satisfy you now and forever. To be inside of God's kingdom is to truly live. We all crave happiness. We want a life that doesn't end. 
We want friends who, who don't die. We, we want food that doesn't spoil and tractors that don't break. We, we want things that last, happiness that never ends. And inside the kingdom of God, that's what we find. We find life eternal. We find the forgiveness of all of our sins. We find God, the creator of the universe, sustaining everything we could ever ask for, everything we ever want, physically, spiritually. He does it all inside his kingdom of grace. And yet some don't come. It's kind of like a person who, who looks at God's word and says, eh, I got better things to do. Maybe you've been there from time to time. And all of a sudden, there is this warning from Jesus. If a person is so consumed by the things of this world that God's good blessings in the kingdom of God seem not so great, then Jesus basically says, if you're not going to be convinced to come by my goodness and my grace, then be convinced by fear. At the very end of our text, Jesus says these words, I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. To the ones who don't find value in what God offers in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, you don't want to eat the bread of life? Then die forever and eat the bread of sorrow. You don't want to drink from the cup of my grace? Then drink from the cup of my wrath. You despise my blessing? Endure my curse. You despise my heaven? Then go to your hell. It's horrifying. The law horrifies. As we hear Jesus teach about what happens to those who reject God's kingdom of grace, enduring forever the most brutal punishment. And yet, who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to people who at that moment in time had made excuses and rejected his invitation. This is how inclusive God's invitation is. He even comes back to those who have been rejecting it. He comes to people like you and me who at times in our lives have valued things that don't last more than that which lasts forever. He comes to foolish sinners like me and foolish sinners like you, people who forget that this life is like the blink of an eye. It's, it's over like, like this. Who forget that the wind blows and it's all gone. He comes to foolish people like us who time and time again reject his invitation with things that are far more important. And what does he do? He invites us again. Because you see, the invitation to the kingdom of God's grace is even for foolish sinners. It's even for foolish sinners like the Pharisees. It's even for foolish sinners like you and me. We are sinful, that is clear. I put myself at the top of the list. Our sins make us filthy. And when God points it out to us in his word, 
The sinful nature wants to do something about it. When we hear of the certain hell that we deserve, when we hear about all that we have done wrong, and we feel guilty about the times when we have valued silly earthly things that don't last over God's infinite blessings, we want to do something about it. We want to help fix it. We think to ourselves, I just need to make this change, this this change in priorities and show God how much I appreciate him. I just got to do this one thing so that he will love me and let me in. No, (laughs) that's not how this works. God's kingdom is a kingdom of grace. It is a kingdom of undeserved love for people who don't deserve it. We don't have to do anything to earn God's love. That's the beauty of the bread of life, the living water that is our Savior, Jesus, who lived, died, and rose from the dead for your sins and mine, for all the times that we have improperly valued temporary things and eternal things. We are invited to God's kingdom of grace despite all of our sin. Your sins are forgiven. Mine are forgiven. We are no longer fools in God's sight. We are his honored guests. The kingdom of God is yours forever. Amen.